the pay-per-view fight week as we get ready for UFC 278 on Saturday. Usman Edwards 2. We had an incredible fight card last weekend that we've got to review. Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. Will, my friend, what is happening today? Man, it's a pay-per-view week, man, so I'm hyped up, man. It's going to be a good fight night uh, coming Saturday. A lot of great matchups at the top of the bill. I'm ready for it, brother. We've got a lot to talk about, including what uh, ultimately became a pretty sneaky good card on Saturday. Um, I will say about UFC 278, part of me is still like, somebody wrap Leon Edwards in bubble wrap for the rest of the week, right? Like, we're so close, he's finally going to get this opportunity. If you relax now, something is going to happen. So, for, for his entire camp, like, everybody take all proper precautions, right? Oh man. I mean, I've been, I was thinking about that earlier today while I was working out. Like I was thinking about just like, man, Leon, like since we started doing this podcast, we've been talking about <laughs> how unlucky Leon Edwards has been. All of the fights that he's, that he's had, um, canceled, like all the fights with Hamzat that were canceled, you know, uh, the fight with Woodley that was supposed to take place in London. Like, ah, he's had some terrible luck and we're, we're, it's fight week. We're literally days away Usman and Edwards, as far as I know, are both in Salt Lake City. So, I mean, like you said, wrap him in bubble wrap. I mean, make sure that he gets to the octagon on fight day. I mean, take all the precautions that you need to, but make sure Leon Edwards, by any means, gets to the octagon on Saturday. Right. Because I'm not going to believe the fight happens until he's actually in the cage. I mean, because the, the walkout, he might slip on something. I mean, anything. He's yeah. got to be in the octagon for me to believe that this fight's going to happen. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, there's been so much bad luck. And yet, like, we've talked about how much bad luck he's had. And still, even after the complete disaster that was the final minute of the Nate Diaz fight, he ultimately did land in a title scenario where I think a lot of people were advocating against him. So maybe the luck has turned around, right? He ultimately got the title shot, even though the majority of, of fans didn't necessarily believe that um, with the way the Bilal fight ended, with the way that the Nate Diaz fight ended, that Leon Edwards was totally deserving of the title shot despite the win the win streak and everything he's accomplished since he last fought Kamara Usman yeah I mean I mean the only reason why fans are a little uh reluctant to see Leon in the cage is because like people don't really know too much about him I mean despite uh him having such a uh unbeaten streak up to this point he hasn't lost like you said uh since he lost to Usman uh he's kind of gone under the radar like he's kind of been someone who's kind of snuck up on us and now all of a sudden it seems like he's just kind of in this title picture but no he's worked his way up into this point uh beating all of the ranked guys that has been uh ahead of him up to this point and then just a a, a series of really unfortunate events uh the past two years but it's like you said it, it combinates on saturday he gets his title shot it's a great matchup uh i just hope man that we can just get him in there man because now now that you said something yeah, <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little concerned now. <laughs> no, I've I've been thinking about that like this entire way. I've been like, I, do they have a backup fighter? Like, what's the what's the situation? Just just because, uh, you know, as, as you said, like since we started this podcast, we've been pointing out all the the obstacles and hurdles. And what is his win streak at now? Like nine, nine or ten, nine or ten. Yeah. In the welterweight division, uh, you look back at this thing like Nate Diaz. He had the obviously the no contest against Bilal um, win against RDA. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, Cowboy, uh, Peter Sabata, Brian Barbarena, Vicente Luque, uh, Albert uh, Tumanov, and Dominic Waters. That is the win streak going back to the loss in 2015 to Kamaru Usman. I mean, those are some pretty solid names. Uh, you know, of course, the, uh, 
as you know, he started winning more, he got more notable names, but yeah. uh, some some solid names on the list. Uh, I, I will, I do have something to say about this list whenever we do our breakdown, but uh, it's it's a good it's a good list. A lot of a lot of name value in that list. And now he's got he's got the top of the food chain, the the, the man, Kamaru Usman. Yeah. I mean, can he put it all together? Can he win? I mean, there's a lot of questions that I have going into this fight. We'll see what happens, man. I'm excited for this fight card, uh, but, bro, we've been getting news on UFC 280. We've been getting news on UFC 281. Like, holy, those two cards are ridiculous, man. Like, this is a good card. Don't get me wrong. But UFC 280 and UFC 281 at this point, if everything sticks, uh, holy cow, they are doing it big. Bruh, it's, it's crazy, man, because... You would start to think, like, there's enough fights, enough firepower, like, on the October card. I mean, you, when you first got the names of Charles and Islam at the top of the build, then as more fights came, you got uh, Sterling and Dillashaw. Then you got Peter Yan and Sean O'Malley, which was a shocker of a fight. Then you got uh, Bilal and Sean Brady, which is a crazy fight. Benil Darius, Mateos Gamrot kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm like, what? And then, like, they're even stacking the prelims. It's, it's to the point where some of these prelim fights might be better than some of the main card fights. Now, I'm not going to say all. Oh, I mean, there's really like one that will kind of uh, be like not main card worthy. But man, I mean, the, the fact that they've been able to stack this, car, this Abu Dhabi card like that, it's crazy. I mean, because like you had so many fights in Fight Island and a lot of fighters were like, well, we didn't like Fight Island. We don't. We don't. We don't want to go. So for the fact that they're able to get so many high-level fighters out to Abu Dhabi, man, that's that's crazy. Uh, this fight card is, is loaded. And then you look to 281, and there's only been like four fights that have been announced, <laughs> and every single one of them are bangers. And you already know they're going to do a big in the MSG. Yeah. I mean, but but just the just the fact that we're getting the the two fights at the top of the bill that we are. Izzy and Alex Pereira. I mean, that's that's as good of a fight that you'll uh, that you'll see. Poirier Chandler that has war with, written all over it. And then you got the return of Dominic Reyes, who we've been waiting for 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 the last year. Like, when is he coming back? He's coming back to a really uh, dangerous fight, but a, but I think it's a good fight for him to come back to against Ryan Spann. I mean, all all three of those fights have been bangers so far. Aaron Blanchfield, then, Molly McCann. Yeah, and then Aaron Blanchfield, Molly McCann. I mean, that that's a that's a pretty. I, I was surprised by that car, by that fight, because I remember you said uh, you were like, "How about Molly McCann, Aaron Blanchfield?" Like, and and this was my answer. I was like, "I don't think they'll do that fight because like that's a that's a big step up for for Molly. That's not really a good matchup for her. I just didn't see it. But of course, like you've been on a roll with these. Uh, I think you've been in the matchmaker meetings or something, man, because you've been getting all these fights. You might have you might have something that I don't know, man. You know, like the beautiful mind meme, <laughs> right? Where it's like it has all the equations, like. That's yeah. me when it comes to matchmaking. Like, I feel like I, I have the right recipe to, like, gauge, like, momentum and actually, like, what the fight looks like and then, like, the marquee part of it and how much it'll sell. Because there's a bunch of different factors to all this, right? Like, it's not just, right. like, who deserves, like, this fight the most or, like, you know, who would sell them. Like, there's a whole bunch of elements, and I feel like kind of right in the sweet spot of, like, gauging how it all kind of fits together. But No, 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 listen. I, we literally had like a five, 10 minute argument about Bilal Muhammad, who, what his next fight was going to be. <laughs> and I, I'm convinced at this point. I'm like, no, nah. yeah. he, he's not going, he's not going to fight anybody ranked below him. <laughs> he's going to fight, uh, he's going to fight Hamzat. He's going to fight Gilbert Burns. And then you just kind of real kind of calm and relax. You're like, I just don't think Bilal's got that much of a name. You know, yeah. I, I think he's good and all this, but I, how about a, a Sean Brady? And I was like, no, why would Bilal go down to fight Sean Brady? And then sure enough, 
Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady is on the is on the card. So point, I'm just gonna go off of what you think uh, as far as these matches, <laughs> as far as these matches are concerned. Yeah. Whatever you think, because uh, it's you obviously you got some inside information or something, man. Goodness. Uh, no inside me. information, but I, I will just say this: uh, Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard. If you ever, if you ever need like an assistant or just somebody to like bounce ideas off of, hit me up. I'm in. <laughs> It's fun. I, I, matchmaking is probably one of my favorite parts of the sport, right? Like, uh, you just start to oh. throw around ideas of, of what works. And, uh, you know, that's the it's I think unlike maybe other sports, because you don't have like a season, right? Like it's this sport is always evolving in terms of what oh, the yeah. landscape looks like. Like literally every week, every fight card, the landscape evolves. And that's uh, that's one of the most fun aspects, I think, of the whole thing. It can also be one of the most maddening aspects of the whole thing, because the flip side of that is every single time somebody in the top 10 wins a damn fight, half the MMA community wants that person to get a title shot. So that's the other yeah. part that's somewhat like frustrating. It's like, come on. Not everybody can have a title shot just because they want to fight and they're ranked in the top 10. But uh, that's, you know, that's that's irrelevant. Um, but yeah, man, like I, the matchmaking part is a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy like uh, I enjoy when we do that and go through the, the you know, what's next phase. Yeah. Of because you know a lot of people um they're not they're not realist about it like you have to be uh when you when you're doing these matchups you have to like you have to be real with yourself like of course yeah. this was a great win but like come on he's not gonna jump six spots and get a title shot he's not gonna jump five spots and get a title shot i mean a lot of these guys when they're ranked like seven eight and they get a big win there's obviously four, seven people in front of them that are hungrier and, and who you can match them up against. Yeah. So, I mean, when we do it, I feel like we always have like really solid options. I mean, any of the options that I give or you give, I mean, they're, they're realistic. I mean, yeah. uh, a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of the fans that you see on Twitter after a fight, like for instance, Patty Pimblett and Terrence McKinney after Patty Pimblett beat Jordan Levitt. Like, come on, man. Like, do you want do you want to see Patty Pimblett's star rise or do you want to see it derailed immediately? Like, do you want to see more of him? But because if he fights Terrence McKinney, that it stops. That's right. That's that's exactly right. I'll tell you something that just blows my mind, right? Like Jamal Hill beats Tiago Santos, and we didn't even like when we recorded last week, at that point I hadn't heard anybody say this, so I didn't bring it up last week. But like listening to some some different shows and podcasts toward the end of the week. Like, people calling for Jamal Hill to get a title shot to me is like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, that was a great win, and I love Jamal Hill. Like, I am a big fan, but get out of here with title shot. Like, that's the, what, third loss in a row for Tiago yeah. Santos. It's a great win for Jamal Hill, but we have Glover and Yuri that have to fight again. We Absolutely. still have Jan Blahovich waiting. We still right. have Rockich when he comes back from an injury. Um, we have Ankali of waiting, who, like, people thought he deserved a title shot after the Anthony Smith thing. Right. Like it's like literally every time somebody wins, it's like, OK, title shot time. Like I heard somebody say toward the end of last week that Jeff Neal. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> like that was a great oh, win. But get out of here. No. Oh, man. Uh, well, start with Jamal Hill. I mean, Jamal Hill was ranked 10 and Santos was ranked like six or seven. And Santos had lost like five or six or uh, yeah. like I, that with that Hill lost five or six. And in that fight that he won, he didn't look good. So like. That's a that's a win that just puts you in in Thiago Santos's spot in the top ten. At this point, he's number six or seven or something like that. There's still a, like a uh, there's still a tier that he's not at yet. Yeah. And if I'm Jamal Hill, I'm calling for a title shot because like you don't have like a, a challenger 
or like a, a a fight that's like clearly right there. So like if I'm Jamal Hill, I'm calling for a title shot. But if I'm of these course. fans, I'm like, I'm like, bro, you got a loss to Paul Craig. You got you got Jan Blachowicz, former champion. You got Magomed Ankalaev, who's on a longer winning streak. You've got um, Anthony Smith, who's coming off an injury, but he, he just lost and everything. But he was ranked ahead of you. You've got um, uh, Rackets, like you said. Uh, and then Glover and Yuri, like, I like, sorry, man. Like, kind of got to wait your turn. I mean, you're you're on the verge right there. Yeah, you're getting close. Like, but, like, if, if if we're putting all these guys in the line, Yuri, or not Yuri, but all the contenders, Glover, uh, Jan, um, Ankalaev, just take them three and then add Jamal Hill. I think all three of those guys have a have a stronger case of a title shot than Jamal Hill. Absolutely. It sucks, but yeah. But the Jeff Neal stuff is just laughing. Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like we're about to talk about last week's card, uh, last Saturday night, which was an awesome card. But like Cheeto Vera now is getting the like he should be next in line. But guess what? What happens if Aldo or Marab wins impressively? People are going to say the same thing, and then in a few weeks it's going to be Sean O'Malley, Pewter Yawn, and the winner of that people are going to say does like. You can't give everybody a title shot. It's just not the way it works. Yeah, in that division, it's just it's it's uh, what's the word? I mean, I, I mean, I, I hate to keep saying like the realistic part, but it's unrealistic to just say Cheeto deserves a title shot, which he he does. But like, we've got like a a bantamweight tournament literally going on, and yeah. Cheeto just happened to fight first. But like the the whole rest of the month and into October, I mean, the that title picture is getting sorted out. The fact that Cheeto went first, I mean, and he looked spectacular, and he might get a title shot next, but there's still other fights that have to happen in order for us to really see, like, who really gets that title shot next. Because I know we'll talk about, like, future matchups and everything, but let's be real. If Sean O'Malley beats Peter Yan, and especially if it's by knockout, but really if Sean O'Malley just wins, I, I think Sean O'Malley is getting that title shot Probably. over all of them, no yeah. matter how they look. Agreed. Totally agree. <laughs> and what happens with Aldo, right? Like... Aldo beat Cheeto. I mean, Cheeto's last loss was to Aldo in right. like 20, I think maybe 2020, the beginning of 2021 or 2020. Um, I mean, Aldo hasn't lost since he lost to Yawn in that interim fight. And along the way, one of his wins in this streak is, is Cheeto. So like right. we can say Cheeto deserves a shot today, but that drastically changes potentially on Saturday night. Right? Like, so it's like, calm down with the like title shot. This guy won title <laughs> shot. Uh, every single time. It's just like you win a big fight and it's title shot, title shot. Like, not that the fighters absolutely should call for it. I'm just saying, like, the fan base as exactly. a whole just seems to call for a title shot every single time somebody wins a fight and they're ranked in the top 10. So, recency bias, man. Yeah, like, no come doubt. on now. No doubt. <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's, let's uh, jump into what we saw on Saturday night. Um, man, what a fun card. I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I liked this card, but I thought it absolutely outperformed what my expectations were. Um, the main event was fantastic, right? You're talking about arguably uh, the greatest bantamweight in UFC history against Cheeto Vera, who is just nothing but violence at 135. This was, Will, I thought exactly what I thought it was going to be. I mean, what happened was exactly what I thought was going to happen. Cheeto's a slow starter. Dominic Cruz is a tough puzzle. I thought Dominic Cruz would score early rounds. I even said to you last week, if this were a three-round fight, I'm picking Dominic Cruz to win the fight. The fact that it's five rounds to me is is what what makes me sway the other way. Uh, and look, after three rounds, I, I don't know how you scored it, but it's probably Dominic Cruz, right, if, if we're going to the scorecards. Um, Cheeto Vera, though, like this is where I think the damage part of, of the equation in terms of this sport comes into play. Like Cruz was hitting him with a lot, but nothing significant at all. Whereas... 
every time it seemed Cheeto landed anything, it was having a massive impact. So, like, does 50 touches outweigh being touched once and getting dropped? Like, that's that's a realistic question uh, that I don't think people necessarily have a good answer for. But um, either way, like, that fight was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was ultimately Dominic Cruz seeming to score more early and ultimately Cheeto Vera, um, you know, the power and uh, everything that he brings to the table, ultimately getting the win. Yeah, man, you hit an, uh, on the hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, the fight went exactly, kind of exactly how I saw it. Um, I thought that in the first round, uh, I thought Cheeto would throw a little bit more, but like as he's he's pr- like he's a slow starter and he's processing um, the route to victory. And Cheeto's a guy that he's not processing the route to a decision win. Yeah. He's processing the route to take your head off. So. Um, in the first round, you know, Dom was doing everything he could to keep him guessing. Like, the, the pressure that Dom was putting on Cheeto, even though it was Cheeto that was advancing, like, Dom uh, was giving him different looks, uh, the way that he was darting in and out, and then the the, the random blitzes. Like, he kept Cheeto guessing. And that's kind of why uh, Cheeto was, you know, I think it took him a little longer to to figure out the path. Because, you know, Dom is a, is a puzzle. Like you said, he's a tricky puzzle, and he's, he's not going to get figured out easy. But I will say this. Cheeto dropped him in the first round. Fight my, in my mind, I was like, fight's over. I, I mean, I don't know like when, what round this is gonna happen, but yeah. the fact that he was able to drop him like that, I was like, unless Dom is able to establish uh, his wrestling and get Cheeto on the ground for uh, an extended period of time, Cheeto's gonna find him again. And uh, I, of course, I didn't see the actual finish, like how it, how it was. I didn't see like the the big head kick. I thought it was gonna be like a punch or something, but because um, he dropped him in the third round or the second or third round, he dropped third. him again. And I'm just like, yeah, like, uh, I mean, for as good as Dom is, if dropped he can't, him twice, right? Yeah, dropped him twice, and then that head kick was was beautiful, man. Like, uh, the way that he timed it uh, behind that behind that jab that he threw, Dom just you know dodged it, but then Cheeto just timed that left kick. Just it, it was it was it was beautiful to see in slow motion, uh, and then you know uh, the fact that he broke Dom's nose and everything, but that was just beautifully timed by Cheeto, and that's just something that you know. When, he, when he's coming up and stuff, you don't really get to see it. But now you really start to pay attention to how to how good Cheeto's IQ is. Like we got I think that I started to see it um, after he fought Aldo. Uh, but like his IQ, Cheeto's IQ is is through the roof. It's 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 championship level. And uh, I think that showed uh, in in spades uh, against Dominic Cruz. Uh, but, you know, I have a problem with people calling for Dominic Cruz to retire because like Dominic Cruz looked, was looking really, really good for for a guy that's been through as much as he has to fight the way that he did to be in Cheeto's face to to be giving him different looks and everything. Dominic Cruz is still a championship level fighter in my, in my mind, but like the evolution of the sport is starting to get to him a little bit. Like when he was coming up, when he was in the WEC, he's fighting guys like Joseph Benavidez, like guys who are flyweights, guys who are like seven inches shorter than him who have who don't have good reach. Like Mighty Mouse, for instance, like for as good as Mighty Mouse is, Dominic Cruz is a terrible matchup for Mighty Mouse yeah. because Cruz is so tall. He's hard to hit and he's and he's and he's hard to get a grab. Like it's hard to get a hold of him. So like Mighty Mouse is at a, such a disadvantage. So like I feel like his style worked great back then against like Mighty Mouse, Uriah Faber. But like now he's fighting guys who are f- just as fast as him, who are who can uh, who, who are just as tall as him, who can get to him in a way that others can't. 
Like Cheeto Vera is a, is a prime example. Like Cheeto has long arms. He's got long legs. I mean, Cheeto can just get to him in a way that he hasn't. He's not really used to. And I think that's what gives Cheeto um, a reason to say that Dominic Cruz's style is low level because like Cheeto is able to get to him in a way that nobody else can. But like if it's another matchup, like say a Frankie Edgar, I mean Dom might have a, a easier time to do to deal with that because I think Frankie might be a little bit shorter. And he doesn't have as much carry as much power as Cheeto, but like Cheeto is just a really tough matchup for Dom, and it and it showed on Saturday, man. It, I, but I give massive props to Cheeto, championship IQ. Even though he did, even though he dropped him, he didn't uh, get overzealous and try to go crazy and finish him. He he knew that the finish was going to come, and he just let it come. So props to Cheeto, man. Yeah, I think on the dominant Cruz side of this, like the people that are calling for retirement. Um, I, I'm guessing they don't mean like he's not skilled enough to fight high-level guys and be in fights. I think it has more to do with uh, evaluating the chin and maybe feeling like, yeah, he can fight in high-level fights, but as soon as he gets touched, it's it's kind of done. Like, remember the Pedro fight? What was he dropped twice in the Pedro fight? Uh, and really, Pedro didn't touch him other than those times, and, and Dom went down, and it seemed like, again, um, what was it, three or four drops before the knockout ultimately happened? Uh, so I think, I think anybody asking the question whether Dom should be done or not, it's just simply like, can the guy take punches? Because I think just in terms of like the skill and being in a fight, he can still compete with anybody. It's just, can he continually survive uh, taking shots? Um, and, you know, I think anytime you start talking about legends, it's also tough to see them, uh, you know, get dropped that many times. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I just, I'm not going to say like, like, I feel like Dom, if he fought some of these guys back in the back when he was young, I feel like they probably would be able to hit him, and we probably would see the same thing. Yeah. Like if if Dom is is any slower than he was when he was young, it's, I think it's not by that much. I feel like Dom is Dom looked fast. He looked like he's the Dom that that was champion, that was WEC champion. He may not be as fast, but I think it's it's just by a slim margin. Uh, but I guess you could say that it, that it's a game of inches and, you know, like uh, Cheeto being a guy who does process how he can get to someone. I mean, it works out for him, but I don't know, man. I still give Dom a lot of props for uh, his performance. But, yeah, it, it was tough to see him get dropped like that for yeah. sure. And look, I'm 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 also not like I'm not in the Dom needs to retire camp. I think I he's still one of the elite bantamweights in the world. Uh, and I'm I'm all for Dominic Cruz continuing to fight. Uh, and I would also say this, anybody questioning the chin, yeah, he got dropped a bunch, but, I mean, it's not like he was dropped and then just couldn't, like, ever find traction again, right? Like, he seemed to recover pretty well uh, in terms of, of being able to fight back, and I would argue not many people, whether their chin is vulnerable or not, are surviving that kick, right? Like, that was just on the button, and, and I think every 135-er walking the earth is probably down for the count with uh, the kick that Cheeto Vera landed, so... Um, I'm I'm pro Dominic Cruz in terms of what is next for Cheeto Vera. Uh, we just had the title shot <laughs> conversation, so if you think it's title shot, tell me. But um, what do you think is next for Cheeto Vera? And look, I also understand you can give me a couple different scenarios because we in the next like two months we have so many big fights in this division at the top taking place that I think part of it depends on on you know like Aldo Marab for example uh, coming up this weekend and and Jan O'Malley and uh, Corey Sanhagen has a fight. Uh, I think next month. So there's a lot of fights also that still are taking place relatively quickly. I think it's just impossible to like, no matter what, because what there's four matchups. Yeah. It's, it's impossible 
to really gauge like out of the four guys, whoever it may be, because like let's just say it's uh it's Aldo who beats Marab. Like Aldo has a victory over Cheeto, so like will Aldo automatically get the nod over Cheeto? Then like if O'Malley wins, I mean I'm a I'm of the impression that if O'Malley wins, he's getting the title shot. But Cheeto beat O'Malley, finished him. So like would Cheeto get the nod? I'm sure he wouldn't. But like you know, and then you know Sanhagen. Now Sanhagen and Song Yudong. I think no matter what happens in that fight, whoever wins that is going to have to do a little bit more because, like, Song is still pretty new to the title contention talks. Sanhagen has lost, like, two or three in a row. So I think that those guys will have to do a little bit more. But in terms of Aldo, Marab, uh, Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley, and then these, uh, and then Chito because he just won, uh, those guys, I, I think it's just like a – it's just positioning. Like, who, who wins, how they win. I think uh, Cheeto won in, in very devastating fashion, so he's got a leg up. Uh, a, a decision for Aldo and Marab would be terrible. I think it'll give Cheeto the a leg up. But I mean, I personally, a personal preference, I would love to see Cheeto fight uh, Peter Yan because they both are slow starters and they both like process uh, the route to victory in a similar way. So I would love to see like how that dynamic would be, uh, and it would be a stand-up war. So I would love to see that fight at some point. But um, it's hard to really just say, like, what's definitively next for these guys because there's so much that's set to happen with these next too much in that division. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I would say let's start with, uh, I think, Cheeto Vera, Corey Sanhagen would be an awesome fight. Awesome, oh, awesome yeah. fight. Um, I'll also say that if Song Yudong were to beat Corey Sanhagen, Cheeto Vera getting another opportunity at Song Yudong, a fight that he clearly won but was on the oh wrong side gosh. of a judge robbery, uh, would make some sense. Sean O'Malley's obviously out there because that's his only loss, right? And Sean O'Malley doesn't even count it as a loss. Uh, and I, I heard <laughs> yeah. a podcast recently where Sean O'Malley was like, yeah, I'll give Cheeto another opportunity at me <laughs> when I feel like he's deserved it. Because, right, that's where the star power comes into the sport. Um, Absolutely. which look at this win for Cheeto Vera probably helps that cause if that's going to happen a second time and erase any sort of doubt from anybody in terms of that matchup. So I like that matchup. I'm with you. The pewter yawn matchup makes a lot of sense, but I would guess the only way we would see that is if O'Malley were to beat yawn, right? Like yawn losing to O'Malley is probably where the, the Cheeto Vera yawn fight could potentially take place. I don't, I don't see yawn beating O'Malley and then get, having Cheeto Vera to go through before like, he takes the next step. Um, but, I mean, crazier things have happened. Uh, I don't see Aldo Cheeto Vera again because they're both on win streaks uh, since that fight happened. And so I think naturally Aldo would be the guy that would be a step up. Um, I could see if Marab were to beat Aldo, a Marab Cheeto Vera fight, uh, which would be really interesting. Part of this also depends on what happens with Aljo and, and TJ, right? Like, Aljo and Marab have said they're not going to fight each other. Like, no matter what. So... Uh, if Aljo were to retain and Marab wins, then, you know, that probably erases one of the title contenders. I would also say the loser of the title fight with Aljo and Dillashaw makes for a good matchup against Cheeto Vera. I mean, there's there's so many paths to take that and so many matchups that are coming up in the next two months that it's nearly impossible to say what's next. But those are just, I think, the different routes that could be taken. Yeah, so there's so many different routes. And all of them are good are good ones. There's not one route that you just said that I would be like, man, I really don't want to see that. Like all all of those matchups are are, are great matchups, and that just shows the depth of the of the bantamweight division, and it, it literally never ends. Uh, but out of all of them, man, 
I, you know, I just said, you know, whatever you say in terms of matchups, I'm just going to agree with you. But I think that Peter Yan, even if he beats Sean O'Malley, I think it's very possible that he might have to fight one more time if Aljo, if Aljo beats TJ. Uh, because, like, I'm, I'm sure the UFC doesn't want to see Peter Yan and Aljo again, especially because Aljo yeah. beat him the way he did. Uh, I mean, that fight, it was what it was. But, like, I'm sure, like, the, the thought of, of Cheeto and, and Peter Yan, number one contender fight, I mean, I think, I think that's out there. I think that's a good matchup. The fans would love to see it. Yeah. I mean, you can put that in the main event of a fight night, put that as a, a co-main event of a pay-per-view. Like, that fight it has war written all over it. But as I say that, I'm probably wrong. You're probably right. <laughs> so we'll, just well, again, it. part of that, like, I think you have a valid point for sure. But again, part of that depends on the landscape, right? Like, if Marab beats Aldo, then, I mean, if it's not Jan fighting for the title, who is it? Like, I get that they would maybe think that way, but, like, what would the other option be? If Aldo's removed from the situation, Marab's not going to fight Aljo. Jan would have just beat the biggest star in that division. And he's a guy that was the champion, has some controversy around the, you know, like, I don't know. I think that then, I think then, and you know, this division is so crazy that we tend to forget about this name. But I think if that happens, it would be easy to just throw Henry Cejudo Henry, into yeah. the into the into the mix. Yeah. Because like there would be no clear. I mean, there would be a clear number one contender if you like really looked at it. But then like Henry can just slide in, being a big star himself, being a guy that never lost the title, and a guy that probably matches up pretty well with with Aljo. And TJ, for that matter. So, I mean, hey, I'm sure he's going to factor into this equation at some point. And On a he's scale just, he's of just... 1 to 10, how much do you think UFC fans want to see Aljo versus Henry? <sighs> scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give it like a 2. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because, like, I think fans have grown to not like Aljo. Yeah, and agreed. Because of how he won the title. Agreed. And fans have just come to, like... Henry Cejudo has dug his own grave up to this point. Like, the way that he handled the whole retirement thing and the, what he's done up to this point, I mean, yeah, fans would not really want to see that fight. But, I mean, Henry has – I think Henry has a little bit of leverage that if everything happens correctly, he can go in and get a title shot. But yeah. only if everything happens correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say I have a hard time seeing the UFC – make an Aljo Henry Cejudo title fight. But uh, again, crazier things have happened. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but again, there's just, there's so many paths here and it's like a giant spider web, right? We just got to like the next two months that'll start to be cleared and, and right, right. the picture will, uh, will start to take shape. But uh, man, uh, great performance by Marlon Chito Vera with the win over Dominic Cruz. Will the co-main event, Nate Landwehr and David Onama. This fight was bad ass holy cow this was incredible um i'll say this i thought that onama just completely got overexcited and gassed himself it, it reminded me a lot of the terrence mckinney drew dober fight where you felt like he had him but he wasn't patient enough and then it was like before the first round was even over i was like onama's ca cashed nothing left and god bless him i don't know how he went 15 minutes because I thought it was light. I thought he was done. I thought the gas tank was empty before the first round even ended. And he somehow found a way to struggle for 10 more minutes. But And even had some moments in the third round. But um, Nate Landwehr's a, a psychopath, as as, um, 
as uh, Michael Bisbing likes to, to call some people in that way. Uh, but man, that fight was awesome. I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It had everything you could possibly want. What a what a badass fight. Yeah, man, like you said, uh, Onama started out so good, dropped him. And I think the way that he that Landwehr fell, uh, he looked like he was out when he fell. Like it, it looked like it was just a, a like a few more punches, follow punches, and it's and it's a wrap. But uh, somehow he recovered, and I think Onama was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm just a few shots away." But then a few shots turned into many, many, many shots, and he ended up gassing himself out. There was some like grappling that they were doing. Like he he definitely emptied the tank, thinking that he was going to be able to get him out of there. And after that, I mean, he just the second round. I think he only landed eight significant strikes. And Landwehr just completely took over uh, the third round. I mean, it, it seemed like Onama caught a little bit of, of life and he was throwing back, uh, uh, landed some good punches. But you could just tell, you could see in his movement, he was exhausted. And uh, Landwehr, man, I mean, he, he's a he's a character. He showed in that last round just the way he had him. He had him on his back and in in, a, in dangerous positions and he would just get up and just play to the crowd I'm like if you get knocked out this is going to be yeah. this is going to be terrible for you to get knocked out but i mean uh the fight i mean i think that's on the short list of uh, of fight of the year i mean i think you know like in the in the nba you have your mvp candidates and then there's like that there's that candidate where you're like he's in there but he's he's not going to win but he's yeah. in there of course like right. this is that's how i feel about this fight this is on the short list of fight of the year uh, candidates but it's not going to win. But I think this is a fight that we'll be talking about at the end of the year. So when we do our end of the year awards, unlike a lot of people, like we have the uh, we have championship fight of the year and then we have just fight of the year. Right. Because like I think you have to separate those because obviously when a belt's on the line, it, it just has a different feel to it than like a fight like this. So like this, this could potentially win fi like non championship fight of the year. Uh, it was that much fun and that chaotic and had that many big moments and turns and twists like it was it was a lot of fun and look i will also say after the fight that took place before it you know i was kind of like oh man there's your fight of the night like nothing's gonna beat that that fight and then this one happens and i was like holy shit <laughs> like uh it just happened like i didn't think it was possible but uh man that was it was such a fun fight twists and turns and yeah that's gonna be at least um on on the short list it'll be uh you know honorable mention or something like that at the end of the year but uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, so speaking of the fight before it, two young um, flyweights making their UFC debut. Man, I'm going to butcher this again. Uh, Yasmin Uregi, I think is is the way they pronounced it. Um, and uh, Isman Lucindo. This fight was awesome, dude. Like, that, it ended and I was like, stand up, clapping my hands. I think Dana White, like, walked to the stairs to, to talk to the fighters on their way out. The loser in this fight, only 20 years old. The winner in this fight, 23 years old. Like, this thing had it all. And I walked away from that fight, like, circling both names. Like, pay attention to these two, because that was a ton of fun and a bright future for both. Yeah, I mean, normally when the UFC puts, you know, like, some un unknown fighters on the on the main card, there's a reason. And we saw that reason for sure with this fight. Um, I'm not going to try to announce the names, so I'm just going to say Mexican Yasmin who won and then uh lucindo the brazilian i mean it seemed like the mexican yasmin had a, had a, she was more technical uh she was still trying to throw because lucindo looked like she was just in there to she was head hunting the whole time and uh yasmin was like okay uh i'm gonna throw some kicks i'm gonna go to the body some and i'm gonna throw i'm, I'm going all around but i'm not just gonna head hunt so i think after a while she kind of got her timing down um 
this was a really fun fight though because Lucindo was was not stopping coming for the <laughs> coming for, uh, coming for the head, yeah. uh, and uh, it was it was just a it was just a fun fight, man. It was, it was just a scrap that people that you don't normally see in a strawweight division or in in women's fights in general. You don't see uh, that type of uh, violence <laughs> coming from from both sides. It was a, it was a very entertaining fight. Uh, I don't, this is a fight that I don't feel that either of them lost. Uh, this is a fight where they both won. They both looked good, and they're both uh, gonna get uh, big fights out of this. And yeah. they're both young as hell, so I mean, they they still have room to grow. And at this moment, they're they're that good, and and to be that young, it's it's crazy. So the the strawweight division just gets that much more deep. And out of all the divisions in the women's in women's MMA, strawweight is easily the, the best. Yeah, I think I said flyweight, by the way, but yes, yeah, strawweight. Uh, how about in the last like month or so, uh, UFC debuts for these two plus Emily Ducote in the strawweight oh, yeah. division? Like, oh yeah, not just I think big time prospects that that could potentially have like contender type of ceiling, but entertaining as well, right? Like the styles that the UFC loves. Absolutely, yeah. Um, like, of course, Dana's gonna love anybody who's gonna stand there and and throw and trade and have a war. And then when you see Emily Dakota, it's like you can tell she's a high-level Muay Thai fighter. Uh, the kicks, and she 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 stands in the pocket. I mean, there's not really pe- there's not many people who's gonna want to who's gonna want that smoke with her in the pocket because they're yeah. gonna get their legs chopped up. And and like we said, when she fought, that was only like 50% of what she's capable of. Yeah. I mean, she's she's capable of kicking your head off, not just your legs. So I think that was a real laid back approach but i know there's a lot more that she could offer so the strawweight division like i said it's it's definitely gotten a lot better just with those three uh additions by the way i'm putting that fight on my my women's non-title fight of the year absolutely it's, it's absolutely there for yeah. sure i mean unless, unless you want to put rose and carla up there but i'm sure you won't want to well, that was a title fight but uh <laughs> yeah that like maybe we need like a you know anti-fight of the year award just because there are some times that we get some duds in the way that I'm like angry about it. Like the fuck was that? The the snoozer of the year or something like that. Let's go with the, what the fuck was that award? Yeah, that's perfect. That's the official name of it. What the fuck was that award? (laughs) Rose Carla right now is the leading candidate to, to win the award. By, by, by miles. Like what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Absolutely. Um, light heavyweight division, uh, Azmat Merzakhanov. Oh, that's good. And that's good. I think I got it. And <laughs> yeah. Devin Clark, um, another impressive performance for Mirzakhanov. After <laughs> I say it once, it, it flows a little bit. It's always just, you know, the, uh, yeah, you get what I'm saying. But yeah, Mirzakhanov, right, right. <laughs> um, impressive performance, finishes Devin Clark, and a guy that I think is interesting at that light heavyweight division, and I'm very curious to see what his path is next. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a big time win. Devin Clark, who's kind of got a, a little bit of a name uh, in that division, just come up, he just came off a knockout win in the, in the fight before this one. But it just seemed like Azamat was faster, uh, more skilled, uh, and Devin Clark didn't really have an answer for him. Uh, I thought the wrestling, Devin Clark's wrestling, would play a little bit more of a factor. But I mean, uh, Azamat, uh, he seemed like he was just faster. You know, Devin Clark never really got a read on him, and uh, he paid for it in, th- in, the, in the third round. When he took him out, so um, and I know his pops, I know his pops. It was tough to see him go out like that in front of yeah. his pops, but man, uh, Azamat, like you said, he's a he's a he's very interesting in this division. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not for sure if he'll be ranked, but uh, I think he'll get a very interesting fight next for sure. So the the name that 
immediately came to mind for me was Khalil Roundtree. But I don't know if you saw this. Khalil Roundtree and Dustin Jacoby are confirmed, uh, yeah. I think, in October. So I, I had completely missed the Jacoby Roundtree announcement. So that was the first name that I thought that I was like, that would be a fun fight. Uh, that's not on the table, obviously. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, I think he is interesting and somebody to pay attention and heavy, heavy heavy shots, right? Like this guy just feels like anytime he touches somebody, it, it could be lights out. I think that uh, a good matchup, uh, if you want to give him somebody ranked, uh, see, I think that's what's next. You, have, you fight someone that's ranked uh, at some point. I think you, you could give him the winner of uh, Johnny Walker and uh, Kutalaba in September. I think the timing kind of matches. Or the loser, because I'm, I'm sure that the loser will probably still be ranked. And Well, I'm not sure if Kutalaba is ranked or not, but I know Johnny Walker is probably still ranked. That's interesting. But uh, I think that Kutalaba uh, or Walker would be some uh, would be pretty uh, good matchups for Mirza Khanov. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's one of those divisions that anytime you can win, I think, in impressive fashion, uh, you just have the opportunity to jump right up there, right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, the division is still kind of shaking itself out, but it's, it's starting to get stacked in there. there. The room is starting to get full. And, and, and now we're starting to look at guys outside of the top 15. So light heavyweight's done a really good job of forming itself out after, you know, for a while it was looking like it was looking pretty light. But, you know, now um, with with how packed it is at the top of the division, it looks pretty solid. And then now at the bottom, you still got some good match, still got some good fighters down there, too. So uh, Azamat will have a tough fight next for sure. Uh, female bantamweights, Priscilla Kachera, uh, over Ariana Lipsky. Uh, this was also one that I, I think we both were on the Lipsky side and, uh, Priscilla was really impressive, dominating win. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, Lipsky just kind of fell into fighting the other, uh, fighting Priscilla's fight. The only way that Priscilla was going to be able to beat her was to kind of make it dirty. And, uh, Lipsky didn't never had a chance to really show off uh her skills because i mean i think lipsky still even after this result i think she's the more well-rounded fighter but uh it turned into a firefight pretty early and uh lipsky fell victim so um big win for uh priscilla um she's she's always been someone who's kind of inconsistent she's like the um joaquin buckley and well i don't really feel like buckley's in that conversation anymore but like the abdul razak al-hassan type fighter who uh she'll have a uh has the highlights yeah Right, she had some good performances, and then like she had some duds. So uh, this was one where she showed off uh, what she could, what she could be. But the next one, it, it could look, it could be a dud. So we'll see. But yeah. a very good one for her. The main card started with Gerald Mearshart and Bruno Silva. Another one that that was really surprising to me, Will and Gerald Mearshart. First of all, veteran, right? Has has been around forever, has seen and done it all. Um, Bruno Silva, like I don't know what it was, seemed off from the beginning. From I mean, the very get go just seemed to be a little bit off, seemed to be a little bit slow. Um, I, I'm not sure what it was. Didn't Just didn't feel like he had the same explosiveness that we've seen from him in the past. That's to take nothing away from Gerald Mearshart, but uh, big-time win for GM3, who uh, all of a sudden finds himself on a nice little win streak. Or No, he lost to Jotko. Never mind. I was thinking that was his fourth in a row, but I forgot about the Jotko loss. So he's won now four of the last five. Yeah, he was on a pretty good streak before this fight, uh, but I mean, this was a big win. The, the fact that he was able to drop Bruno Silva, um, I mean, you, he Bruno Silva did look a step slow, but that's still credit to Mearshart because I didn't expect him to drop him like that. And then to have the presence of mind to be like, okay, let me not try to follow up with strikes. Let me go where I'm I'm best at, wrap up a submission, get the submission. Uh, big win for him. I definitely didn't think that it would go like that. 
I thought there wouldn't be many chances for uh, Gerald to use his wrestling. But, I mean, this fight was mainly a stand-up fight, and Gerald Mearshart was winning a lot of the exchanges. So, uh, yeah, Bruno Silva did look slow. It looked like he just looked off, uh, and Gerald Mearshart capitalized. So, uh, I mean, you can't really take anything away from GM3, but uh, big win for him. Yeah. Uh, he's still uh, someone that you can't look past. I mean, he's still... I mean, I'm sure that Hamza Atlas is always going to follow him, but like what he's done since then, I mean, you can't just be, you can't say like he sucks or anymore. Like right. Gerald Mearshart is a is a is a player at middleweight, uh, and it he he may not ever be like a, a top ten guy, he may not ever be ranked or anything, but he's always going to be a tough out for sure. Yeah, he's like a um, like a Tim Means. Yeah, right, absolutely. like just somebody that's going to be a motherfucker to fight. Like it's just. He may not ever find himself in the top 10 or in title contention, but is just going to, you know, not somebody that you want to fight. Like, he's, he's going to be a tough out no matter what. And if you don't take him seriously, like, he's going to beat you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how many people pick GM3 over Bruno Silva. I wasn't one of them. And uh, neither was I. <laughs> it was, that was not a very close fight, right? Like, Gerald Nearshart, I think, not that he, it was just, like, dominating, but I, I thought he was cruising. And then he then he ultimately got the finish. Uh, in terms of the prelims, um, I was kind of in and out of the prelims, so I didn't I didn't sit and uh, watch them from start to finish. But a uh, couple thoughts: we were debating like who wanted it more between Cynthia Calvillo and Nina Nunez, and I think we both kind of made the comment like I don't know how much more Nina Nunez has like in terms of how much more she wants to fight. Well, that was that was true. Although she did get the win, she uh, put her gloves. Uh, in the middle of the octagon after that fight and retired. Uh, the other one that, that I had a big takeaway from was uh, Tyson Nam over Ode Osborne. Uh, big bounce back fight for Tyson Nam. And, and uh, I, I think they said that he weighed in at 146, uh, Will, uh, on, on fight night uh, after the 125 weigh-in the day before and, and obviously showed off big power with the knockout. Yeah, these prelims were fun. I mean, uh, b- before I touch on those two, like Josh Quinlan's knockout over Jason Witt was crazy. I mean, uh, it was like a counter, like one-two, and the way Jason Witt fell, it looked like he passed away. It looked like it, looked like it was over. <laughs> um, and then uh, Quinlan could have gave a follow-up shot, but he knew it was over. Uh, props for not landing that follow-up shot. But, yeah, I thought Ode Osborne was going to win this. He was a big favorite, but uh, Tyson Nam, he had been out of the octagon for a while, but he came back uh, obviously uh, pretty big on fight day. Uh, pretty filled out, and uh, it showed. Uh, definitely knocked out Ode Osborne. Did you catch the uh, back and forth from Bisping in D.C. before this knockout happened? Oh, yes. It was awesome. It was, it was awesome. It was, a, it was hilarious, man. And I think Ode kind of shot himself in the foot with the, with that jumping sh- uh, stuff that he was doing. I didn't yeah. understand what that was about, but I think he just timed it because um, it was like the third or fourth time that he did it. And after the last one, he just timed it well. Right after he jumped, he just cracked him, and it was over from there. Uh, but also, man, Nina Nunez, you know, this fight kind of went how I expected, like uh, a decision, a uh, close fight, um, in, a, in, a, in a matchup where you wonder who wants it more. It, with this, with Nina knowing this was her last fight, you can see, like, she she fought like this was going to be uh, her last one. She really wanted it. Uh, I thought she looked good, though. Her kicks looked really good. Uh, she was She's never been someone who really gets uh, many finishes, but um, her kicks looked good, uh, and she was able to get the win. So uh, I think, you know, Calvillo, man, she's going to have to really reevaluate herself because, you know, she started off well in the flyweight division, and now I think she's dropped uh, this is her third or fourth loss. So she's going to have to reevaluate and, uh, and, and uh, go back to the drawing board. But big win for Dina Nunez. And uh, last thing on the prelims, uh, Angela Hill over uh, uh, Lupita. How do you say her name? Godinez? Yeah. Don't know how to say her first name. But uh, big win for Angela Hill. She was a big underdog as well. This was a night where a lot of underdogs got the uh, got wins. 
uh, big win for Angela Hill for sure. I, yeah, that was one I didn't get to see, and I'll uh, probably rewatch at some point this week before UFC 278. Um, I couldn't help but laugh when the whole Bisping DC thing happened. Like, my thought was if Dominic Cruz were on this desk as well, <laughs> Cruz would be killing DC, right? Because, like, yeah. Cruz has been so critical, and I think he even doubled down last week about, like, his comments on DC as an analyst. And, and uh, yeah, it was so funny. He, Cruz has never came down from that from those comments. He's never backtracked at all. Yeah. And what's what's crazy about Cruz is like, I mean, I know now nowadays he's kind of real calm and respectful and everything. But like, Cruz is an asshole, really. If you really if you really <laughs> listen to him, like Cruz is an asshole. And and like if you if you're trying to debate with him, he'll make you feel so small. And like when him and DC are arguing, like you can tell like the things that Dom says really gets under DC's skin. And it's the same thing with Bisping. It's just how Dom is. Like, Dom knows how to really get under your skin while just trying to sound like he's just uh, so much smarter than you, Wh yeah. which in a lot of cases he is. But when he's but when he's on the desk and he's trying to make his points and everything and someone's trying to argue with him, Cruz will destroy <laughs> anybody yeah. that, that he's up against. It's, it's, it's crazy. I think it's – you can call it asshole, and maybe he is, but it's also that thing where it's like he just doesn't filter anything, right? So, like, he may not intentionally be – you know, trying to be an asshole, but it's like, because it comes off as unfiltered, like he's not going to like soften the way he says anything, right? Like he's going to be very blunt and matter of fact, where like, we may disagree about something. I'm not going to just be like, Will, you're wrong. This is the way it is. I'll just be like, I mean, that's a good point, but I would like, this is where I'm seeing it from. You know what I mean? Where Dom is like, no, that's incorrect. This is the right answer. And so like, it's so abrasive in that way that it, yeah. it like cracks yeah, me up. And DC is such a nice guy, right? Like DC yeah. has that filter where like he's he's not ever going to be that blunt about something. Um, but all, at the same time, I think there's probably a little bit of truth to what Dom says in that regard as well. So <laughs> there is, yeah, uh, yeah. It's but it's it, it was so funny. Like I was just like, and I was actually on Bisping's side of that before it happened, and then boom, like the knockout yeah. happens. It was like, oh my gosh, that was so awesome. That sequence well, was was fantastic. Well, DC is is right. In what he's in what he said, like when 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 fighters smile, a lot of the time it's because they just took a, a big shot and they're trying to play it off. Like, man, I didn't hurt, but that was a good shot. Yeah. Bisbing was trying to say, like, well, like nothing was really nothing crazy really happened. I mean, uh, Tyson M is happy to be back in the in the octagon. That's why he keeps smiling. So that's where the, that's where it started. Yeah. And then DC's like Bisbing. He's all day is winning. He's he's winning this fight. I mean, like oh, like he's winning this fight. And then all of a sudden, he just he gets cracked. Yeah. <laughs> but he but he's winning. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, maybe was, we need a moments of the year award as well, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be a finalist for moments of the year. Yeah, and like DC, he can't really say anything after that. Right. It's like, ah, oh, damn, like, ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Like right as he says, like he's winning, and then boom. Not anymore. I mean, even if he was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not even. <laughs> he's not now. Yeah, that was. That, I, I, I completely forgot about that, and I, w I wasn't even going to bring it up. So I'm glad that you mentioned it because that was that was fantastic. Uh, before we make some picks on UFC 278, I do want to bring up Shane Burgos signing with the PFL. Well, this is pretty big deal, pretty big get for the PFL. Um, by the way, the same week that uh, PFL's Rory McDonald calls it a career and retires, a guy that uh, was involved in maybe arguably my favorite fight of all time in the UFC against Robbie Lawler. Uh, but um, Rory McDonald calls it quits and the PFL gets Shane Burgos, which again, from an entertainment standpoint, I know he's not a contender, but the guy delivers entertaining fight after entertaining fight and uh, just seems to be perfectly suited for, for the PFL. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think with that signing, 
uh, we could we could potentially see more UFC guys who are kind of in that area where Shane Burgos is, where um, you're a contender, like you're in the top 10, top 15, but you don't really have like those championship. Uh, you're not really in championship contention at this point. Um, I think that it's perfect for him to go to the PFL where he has a chance to make a ton of money, more money than he's ever made before. Uh, I'm not going to say fight lesser guys because they're, that division that he's in, or 145 and 155, there's some killers in that division in yeah. the PFL. Um, I think that Shane Burgos uh, made, a, made a really good move, a really smart move, because like most people will say like the UFC is the end-all, be-all. You have to be in the UFC. But Shane Burgos has been there, done that. He's been at, He's fought at MSG. He, uh, he's been in fight of the nights. He's won all these performance bonuses. But still, he has a chance to make more money than he's ever made going to the PFL. And I think that now... I think you'll probably be with me in this. Um, I think that the PFL is probably the second best promotion in in, uh, in MMA right now. I don't know that I would outright say it is the second best, but you know this is a big get, obviously, and it's a big get because like Shane Burgos isn't at the end, or I mean maybe maybe ultimately will be it'll be proved that he is. I don't I don't know. I mean you know you know how the fight game is like you're always one fight away from everybody like thinking that you're done, but. Uh, Shane Burgos to me is still at least in that category of like very entertaining, relevant fighters that I want to watch fight, right? Sometimes you get guys that were that like five or six years ago, but are no longer that. And then they, they move from one promotion to another. So I think this is a big get because I think Shane Burgos is still in that category of like a fighter I want to watch right now, not a fighter that I wanted to watch five years ago. Um, I, I started to, to think about this because I... You know, this might be a move that that potentially could get other people to make the jump that are kind of in that same category. So I started thinking, like, who are some dudes in the UFC that are like Shane Burgos, like top 15 caliber, probably aren't going to get a title shot because maybe they've they've uh, lost too many times, but still like are high level and are really entertaining fighters that you could see, like, make some moves and, and do really well at the P with the PFL's format. So Dan Hooker came to mind. Oh, that's a really good one. Santiago Ponzinibbio. Mm-hmm. Kelvin Gastelum. Wow, that would be a huge get if they got him. Yeah, like, he's not fighting for a title, but, like, still a high-level guy that, that produces entertaining fights, right? Like, right. if Dominic Reyes were to lo lose again, a guy that I think would also be in that category, potentially. Um, could you imagine? Could you imagine Tony Ferguson go to the PFL? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's, you know, that's kind of like what we're talking about is like some of these guys that still are capable of high level fights, entertaining fights, but, um, you know, are, are probably, I mean, at this point, it would take so much work to get a, a title opportunity in the UFC. Right. And, but if they go to the PFL, they're getting more money. They're on the ESPN platform. So like, they're not going to lose any star power. Yeah. Um, I think a move to the PFL just makes a lot of sense. And the fact that Burgos did it is going to open the door for more guys to be like, you know what? You know, that's actually a good idea because there's, there's been so much talk about fighter pay and stuff and the PFL has, you know, they, they have the tournament and everything, but they're, they're paying these guys who are uh, like a Shane Burgos. You don't have to be the, the best guy in the world, but yeah. um, he's getting a pretty penny for moving to the PFL because he was in the UFC and he's a fun fighter. So a lot of these guys who are in the UFC should, you know, look towards that if, when their contract ends, uh, having that opportunity to go make more money in the PFL. Yeah. Uh, like, I could see a Rosenstrike, for example. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's like, mm -hmm. 
there's a whole bunch of these types of guys that I think you know it, it could be interesting to see if uh, if you know and, and look some guys don't have the goal of being a champion right they're there to make money uh, and if that's the case maybe it's a, a different scenario but um, yeah I think it's it's very fascinating and I'm, I'm curious to what degree it opens the door for others maybe in that same situation to to decide to make that jump all right, UFC 278 from Salt Lake City, Utah on Saturday. Will, have you ever been to Salt Lake City? No, but uh, interesting fact, my cousin, Ronnie Brewer, was drafted by the Utah Jazz in 2007, number 14 pick, and he spent um, five years there. Okay. But So whenever they would come to OKC, um, I would always go and watch, but I never got to um, go to Salt Lake City. I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a long ways away. It is. So yeah, back in the Darren Williams and Carlos oh, Boozer yeah. era, my yeah. cousin was uh, with them. I remember uh, I was at uh, an NCAA tournament regional uh, watching Ronnie Brewer play for Arkansas. So It I, was against? It was in Dallas. Against, I can't remember, okay. I can't remember uh, who they played that year, but yeah. Yeah, back, back in Arkansas, he was a problem. Back yeah. when you know, he had the long oh, socks yeah. and the headband. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he could ball. First round pick, right? Yeah, yeah. First round, number 14. And what's crazy is, uh, sorry to even get off topic, but I have to say this. The pick before and the pick after belonged to the Oklahoma City New Orleans Hornets. So we thought that he was coming to Oklahoma City. They drafted somebody else, obviously, before him. So uh, we thought, oh, he's just going to go the pick after. But he ended up going to the Utah Jazz. We were think, like, what? I think, they, <laughs> I think they took that center from UConn with one of those picks. I forget his name, but it was a center. Like Hilton Armstrong uh, or something Hilton like that? Hilton Armstrong. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was one of them, and the other guy was like a he was a forward, like uh, six eight six nine. Yeah. But yeah, he was riding between those two. How about that pool from the memory <laughs> banks? <laughs> All right, UFC two seventy eight on Saturday night. Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards two is your main event, but this main card starts in the light heavyweight division. It is Tyson Pedro and Harry Hunsucker. Oddshark.com has Tyson Pedro as a minus eight fifty favorite, plus five twenty five for Harry Hunsucker. Yeah, so for, for those who aren't really familiar with Tyson Pedro, this is a guy who had um, a lot of hype around him when he first got to the UFC, uh, but he's had some uh, he's had some tough luck uh, as of late. Um, he tore his ACL in a fight with Shogun, and uh, he had a, he had surgery on his on his ACL. Uh, but I guess after he recovered, they found that the surgery was performed wrong in some way, and then like he had another tear, I guess, in his meniscus. And uh, he had to go through a whole nother surgery, which took another year to, to heal. And he's finally back. Looked good against Ike Villanueva. Uh, but now he's uh, fighting Hunsucker. I think this is going to be a pretty, I think it's going to be a pretty easy fight for him because uh, he's a very skilled striker. He's training with uh, Izzy in that camp now. Um, and I think Hunsucker is just going to be, he's coming down from heavyweight. I think this is, I think it's going to be a fun fight, but I think yeah. Pedro's going to be the, the faster guy. Uh, the more skilled guy, so I, I don't really like this one for Hunsucker. But uh, if Pedro makes a mistake, he could, he could get cracked. But I think this is a Pedro win for sure. That Shogun fight was in 2018, December of 2018, and his next fight didn't take place until this April 2022, as you mentioned against uh, Ike Villanueva. Um, yeah, it, like if we were talking about a four-year layoff and, and he hadn't fought at all, um, I would probably question this a little bit. But he did look good. Um, it's going to be Tyson Pedro for me also. Fight number two on this main card is in the heavyweight division. It is Marcin Tabura and Alexander Romanov. I was a little bit surprised at the odds here. I thought the odds would be 
uh, closer. Romanov is your favorite, minus 360, plus 270 for Tabira. Um, yeah, so I know that uh, Romanov has the uh, potential, and a lot of the things that Tibera does well, it seems like Romanov probably does better. Uh, but th- I still think this is going to be a tough matchup because of the experience factor. I think that uh, Tibera will be a tougher matchup than Romanov expects. Uh, but I do think that Romanov will end up winning this fight. Um, but I think that this is going to be a tougher test than he imagined. So um, I, I don't know how I feel about the odds. You said minus 360? Yeah, minus 360 and plus 270. I mean, I kind of feel like that's... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't really know how I would uh, put the the odds on this fight, but I do think Romanov should be probably like a minus 200, minus 250 favorite. Um, my, yeah, minus 360 probably a little excessive. Okay. But yeah, I think this is a, a going to be a Romanov win. I th- I just think I just like the uh, the momentum that he's been yeah. carrying, and it seems like he's got uh, a style that's really problematic for a lot of this division. But we'll see how it works out with someone who's kind of got a similar style. Yeah, I mean, look, they they. There's a reason there are a, a, a ton of giant casinos, right? Because these people are really good at what they do. Uh, but yeah, like I saw that number and I was like, I I would not have guessed it was it was going to be that lopsided. Uh, I do think it is a closer fight than the odds would indicate. I agree with everything you said about Tabura. I think he'll make it tougher than than maybe people expect. But uh, it is Romanoff for me uh, as well. All right, death taxes and bantamweights. We have Aldo and Marab at 135. Another gigantic matchup in the logjam that is the bantamweight division especially inside the top 10 do you know who the favorite is have you seen the odds i feel like i've seen um i feel like i've seen like both of them favorite i feel like it's changing um at this point i probably would say i I probably would say marab's the favorite marab is minus 125 aldo is even money even wow. money for Aldo, minus 125 for Marab. So very close fight, but uh, Marab is the slight favorite, which, look, I wouldn't... It doesn't surprise me that he is, mm. but I would have guessed Vegas trying to get action. Aldo's name was so much bigger, I would have guessed that uh, that it probably would have went that way if I was going to guess which which one was going to be the favorite from an odd standpoint. But uh, there you go. Marab minus 125, even for Josie Aldo. Yeah, so uh, I think that this matchup, um, when it comes to Aldo and, and, and a lot of his losses, and he hasn't lost too much, even though like as of late it seems like you know he's you know he's lost to Max twice, lost to Connor, lost to Volkanovski, he's lost to Peter Yan, but you know a, a lot of his losses, it comes to like a cardio thing, and uh, you know of course Connor wasn't, but I think the the two Max fights and especially the Yan fight, it had to do with uh, with with his cardio. I think he got robbed in the in the uh, Marais fight. I still think to this day he won that. But uh, I think cardio, uh, when when cardio is a factor, Aldo kind of um, wilts under that, right? So, uh, and Marab is a guy who who's like a cardio king, if you uh, if just to, to put it lightly. I mean, against um, Marais, we saw that he's a tough guy to put away. But um, when I when I think about this fight and I think about the styles. There's still, um, like, I, I love Mirage's potential and everything, but, I, you know, the, the experience that Aldo has. And, you know, the fact that this isn't a five-round fight where Aldo is going to have to probably uh, address those cardio issues, I think that favors him. So 
um, with this being three rounds where Aldo normally shines, like Dana White has said over and over, uh, Aldo in the first two rounds is the greatest fighter ever. And like, just look at the two, the, the first two rounds against uh, Peter Yan. He looked outstanding in the first two rounds. Then after he got tired, it was a, it was a completely different fight. So um, with that being said, man, um, I think this is going to be a very close fight. I think it's going to go to a decision. And I'm going to give the nod uh, to Aldo in a, in a very close one. I think it's going to be one of those things where we're debating on who won the, the second round. Uh, like Aldo won the first. It yeah. could have been. It could have went either way in the second, and then Marab won the third. So I'm going with Aldo by like split decision or something. Okay. I was uh, I was convinced you were going to go Marab in this fight. I've been very torn, and part of me wanted to just go opposite you no matter what, but I feel like I need to just stick with what what uh, my gut says. I'm going to go Aldo as well. I think you made a great point, and similar to what we talked about last week with Cheeto Vera and Dominic Cruz. That being a three-round fight, I have a different pick than if it's a five-round fight. I would have picked Dominic Cruz in a three-round fight against Cheeto. I picked Cheeto in a five-round fight. In a five-round fight here, I probably would go with Marab. In a three-round fight, I like Aldo. Uh, so give me Aldo, but I, I do think this is a close fight. I think this is as razor-thin as it gets. Um, like I, I kind of think back to like the Stamen-Marab fight, just how crazy that was. Um the you know the Marlin Marab fight was as crazy as it possibly gets, uh, up to the point that that it ended, uh, and you know Marlin obviously is has uh, not been able to absorb shots uh, very well down the stretch. So uh, I think Aldo's in a different place than than Marlin was at that point in time. I, I so I'll uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Aldo as well. But man, I think this is as close as it gets, and we've talked about this for I mean since we've been doing the podcast. Marab is I think the toughest challenge maybe in this division. Yeah, he's going to be a tough matchup for whoever he fights. Um, any of them, Cheeto, yeah. Jan, um, um, Al, I mean, I don't even want to say Aljo, but like, if, if that ever happened, Aljo, like, Marab would be a tough matchup for him. TJ, Cruz, Sanhagen, oh, like, Marab, yeah. it, Marab is like the, the, the outlier, the boogeyman of the, of the division, the guy that nobody wants to fight because they're going to have to address uh, that pace, um, the, that grappling that Marab, um, that Marab has. So, and Aldo being the G that he is, he didn't have to accept this fight. Uh, he could have fought a dominant Cruz. He could have fought a, a, a better matchup. But uh, Aldo's never turned away from a challenge. And um, uh, this is a this is a fight that I wasn't expecting. But uh, as soon as I heard about this fight, and I, I was kind of set on Aldo uh, in this one. I, I know it's going to be tough for Aldo. But the fact that this is three rounds, yeah. uh, those first two rounds, I expect Aldo to kind of jump out, set a pace. And we'll see uh, how Marab uh, reacts to it. We'll see if Marab will put a pace on him. I think he uh, will. But I, I just, think this is gonna be. I think this first round is gonna be crazy. Right, right, yeah. Because like Aldo's is a guy who who want like his fighting style. He wants to smoke, <laughs> and Marab is yeah. a guy who will jump headfirst into a free into a frozen freaking lake. Like what the hell? So <laughs> I think this is gonna be crazy. But I think the experience of Aldo will uh, ultimately shine through. By the way, there aren't many people I would pick over Marab right now in the top ten. Like, and you said Aljo. Like, if Aljo and Marab fought, I think I'd go Marab, honestly. Yeah, uh, I mean, the fact that they've trained together, and the fact, uh, I mean, well, not even, not even that. Like, let's just match up the styles. Um, I feel like Marab is a more devastating version of Aljo. Like, Aljo is a more flashy type guy, but Marab is a guy who, uh, who puts. He's just more suffocating. Like, it's it's kind of like a, a Khabib style. Uh, he's just on you, like, and he's always on you. And he never stops. Yeah. Uh, like 
Aljo kind of has a little bit more of a, of a flash to him where, uh, but I mean, we saw a little bit of what he's capable of, like when he's able to hold Peter Yan down. But I think if Marab had Peter Yan in those same situations, it would be a lot more devastating, a lot more activity. So I, I'm with you. I think Marab is just a, a tough matchup for all these guys. Absolutely. Co-main event takes us to the middleweight division. I guess if Paulo Costa can make weight, or we'll uh, be calling this something different. Uh, Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold. Costa is the favorite at minus 285, plus 225 for Luke Rockhold. Do you remember? I'm sure you do. But that last fight, that whole fight week debacle that Paulo Costa put everybody through, that interview that he had with Marvin Vittori where he's like, it could be at 185, it could be at 195, it could be at 205. It's your decision. And Vittori's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, that would have been given last year's what the fuck award. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah. Goes to yeah, Paulo mean, Costa. Yeah, yeah, I mean that easy fight fucked him up for sure. Um, but I've seen some uh, some pictures that he's posted uh, on Twitter and everything. But he looks like he's in outstanding shape for this fight. It seems like he's kind of got uh, his head back. Um, so like this is the first time I've had a chance to talk about Luke Rockhold. Uh, since we've been doing this podcast, he's been away for a while. <laughs> he hasn't fought um, since. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't fought since 2019, and I was there in attendance when he got uh, dropped and KO'd by uh, Jan Blachowicz. Um, but first things first, I want to say Luke Rockhold is as skilled as they come. He's good everywhere. He's, he's got great kicks, great grappling, uh, great submissions. Like, Luke Rockhold is literally great everywhere. But his chin, man, I mean, I don't really know where it started, because uh, in Strike Force he was good. Uh, I don't really remember him getting like flatlined like that. But like since he got to the UFC, I know Vitor got him early on. Uh, I know Bisping knocked him out to become the champion. Uh, of course, Yoel Romero knocked him out, and then looked like he wanted to kiss him afterwards. And then um, Jan Blahovich knocked him out, of course. So that's four, and I don't even know if that's all of them. And all four of these knockouts have been devastating. Uh, and then the layoff, you know, I'm not sure how Luke is going to look. He's changed camps like he was training at AKA with DC and Kane and Habib. But now he's been training with Cheeto and it seems like he's found uh, a love for the sport again. So uh, I like where his head where his head's at. But, you know, being away for so long, you know, we've seen this time and time again. Like we just saw with with Gustafson, you take that much time off. Um, like how like it's going to take you a while to get your your feet under you and to get your timing back like sparring and everything and training that's going to do so much but when you're actually out there like how's that going to translate and then Paulo Costa is the guy who's going to continuously move forward like you look back at his fight with Romero he walked him down the entire 15 minutes if you do that to Joel Romero you'll do that to anybody I don't know why he didn't do it to Izzy I don't know what the game plan was but um, you know normally Paulo is a guy who walks people down drains them uh, I just think um if Paulo is smart, and it, I, I I tend to question how smart the guy is after the last year of Paulo Costa's life, um, but um, I I thought I thought very highly of him after he beat Yoel Romero, and I think um, if he's just able to land a few on Luke, uh, he'll be able to knock him out. Um, I, I wonder how much Luke will will use his wrestling because like Paulo is going to be in his face, and Luke's going to have to move. He's got to use his kicks. He's going to have to grapple. Uh, he's got to use his full arsenal. But I think um, he's just been away for too long. So my pick's going to go with uh, Costa, man. Uh, if he's smart, he'll use his grappling the entire fight. <laughs> the entire fight. I mean, yeah, By any man. Means, this grab is, a leg, grab like, hug him. <laughs> I, this, Luke Rockhold is very likable. I think Paulo Costa is very unlikable. 
I mean, we said this in Paulo Costa's last fight. Paulo Costa might be the only person in the UFC that makes Marvin Vittori likable, right? Yeah. Like, this dude just seemed to be on another planet in terms of everything that happened in that Vittori fight and the lead up to that fight and missing weight and not giving a shit and all of it. And, you know, at the same time, like, he did fight his ass off in that fight, right? That was a really good fight. Um, he fought his ass off. He may be unlikable, but he's still a very skilled, dangerous dude inside the octagon. Um, I have all the respect in the world for Luke Rockhold, but the dude hasn't fought since 2019, where he was finished by Jan Blahovich. Before that, it was February of 2018, where he was finished by Yoel Romero. And before that, he had a win over David Branch in 2017. And before that, it was losing to Michael Bisping in 2016. And before that, it was beating Chris Weidman in 2015. I mean, he was only fighting once a year for the final five years anyway, and now he's not been inside the octagon since 2019. I just have a hard time seeing anybody, for that matter, not having fought in that amount of time and beating somebody as unlikable as they may be that is at a world-class level like Paulo Costa. So um, I would love to be wrong about this fight, by the way. Uh, but uh, this is Paulo Costa for me all the way. Which takes us to... The main event of the evening, it is a rematch for the welterweight championship of the world. Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards. Kamaru is your favorite at minus 400, plus 280 for Leon Edwards. Man, so... Uh, I've, uh, I've, 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 I've got a lot of thoughts on this fight. Um, I've, I've got a lot of questions. You know, Usman, the champ, Leon Edwards, um, he's come a long way. Like, we, we've talked about it for, for the last two years, basically, on, on all that Leon has had to do to uh, get to this point. But um, something that's really interesting about this fight, there, there was a quote that Kamaru said before he fought Woodley that stuck with me because you know, I was a big fan of Woodley, obviously, and I, I, I watch the Embedded's all the time because, you know, I really like watching them. But what, what he said about uh, the fight with Tyron, he said, I know Tyron's good everywhere. I, I know he's good, but I'm coming to, to I'm coming to fight his heart. We've seen his heart tested and we've seen him break, right? He said that quote, and that stuck with me. I remember, I remember this quote. That fight happened three years ago. I remember this quote. And as I think about this fight, Leon is as skilled as they come. I mean, he is good. Leon is very good. There's a reason why. A lot of people think that he's going that he could win this fight. Uh, he's got the, he's got the whole country um, behind him. You know, the UK, he's got that. He's got all of those people behind him. But in you know, when you brought up all those names that he beat, he's never had to dig down deep. He's never had to like be in the trenches and fight his way out. Uh, he's never had to like face adversity. Like the closest thing is getting hit by Nate Diaz. But Nate Diaz pointed at him and flipped him off instead of, like, going for the kill. Like, he didn't really, like, force him to, like, do anything to, like, dig himself out of the, out of, out of any hole or anything. He didn't dig deep. He just had to survive for 60 seconds, right? Exactly. He just yeah. had to survive. So when I think about Leon and I think about the fights with RDA and Cowboy Cerrone, like, we saw him outpoint people, look good, you know, just look like he's very, very skilled. But my question is, what does Leon look like in the trenches? Like, Kamaru Usman, when he's fighting guys, and like the first fight with Kobe Covington, we we saw what happens with Usman when he's in the trenches. Like that that fight, you, he had to dig deep to win that fight. He ended up getting the finish, um, and he's getting better. He's getting more skilled. But when it comes to someone who um, who has to dig down deep, who's got that who's got that heart, 
who when he when he goes in there, he's fighting uh, another man for his soul and stuff. It just seems like uh, Usman has that championship uh, mentality, and I'm just not sure that Leon has it. Like he's got championship level skill, but I don't know like if he's got that the championship level heart that Usman has. And I think we could possibly see. I think because I think to win this fight, he's gonna have to. Uh, he's going to have to show, like, I think Usman's going to put him in the trenches, but what's going to happen is he's going to be able to pull himself out. I think the only way Kamaru loses his fight is if he makes a mistake and Leon capitalizes. Leon doesn't necessarily have that power, but he had, but he, like I said, he's very, very skilled. So, like, he can land a punch that, that Kamaru doesn't see coming, and those are always the worst ones, or, or a kick or something like that. Uh, but I just think at this point that um, Kamaru is the... Uh, is, He's got the wrestling that he can always go to. He's he's gotten better with his striking, uh, but he's got that championship level IQ and heart. So um, I say all that to say my pick is with uh, the champ, man, Kamaru Usman. Ooh, okay. I thought you were gonna pick Kamaru, but I know how much you love some Leon Edwards. So uh, I was. I just wanted to see see the guy get a title shot, man. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he deserves it. I think a couple of things that are interesting to me in this fight. Number one. How much does Kamaru use his wrestling? Because I, I think he could probably, if he wanted to just go into this fight with the mentality that I'm going to wrestle, um, I think he could probably win this fight relatively easy. It's not going to be the most visually pleasing fight, and maybe the crowd doesn't love it, but I think like that would be a, a, a path to victory that would be with relative ease. Um I think he, he, not that he'll lose a stand-up fight, but he, I think he does open the door more for Leon to have a path to victory if he does just kind of, like, decide, I'm just going to stand and trade and not ever use the threat of takedowns or, or any of that. So I'm curious to see how much he decides to wrestle. Um, that said, like, I picked Gilbert Burns to beat Kamaru. But other than the Gilbert fight, like, I've not even thought that anybody, Colby, even the rematch, like, I, 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 I thought Kamaru would win the first one. Uh, the first one was a great fight, but I was even more convinced that, that Kamaru would win the second one, which he did. I just think, like, he, Colby's the same guy, just not as good. Uh, so, like, I would say this is probably, in my opinion, the second most dangerous fight, I feel like, for Kamaru since he's been the champ after the Burns fight. But, like, I actually thought Gilbert had a chance to win that fight. I Like, this is the second most dangerous, but I, I still just have a hard time seeing where the victory is because, again, I think Kamaru can wrestle him. To your point... We know that Kamaru can go to the deep waters, and that's where he wants a fight to go, right? Because he always talks about he's built different than everybody else. He has a different mentality than everybody else. And not that Leon doesn't have that, but we don't know that he does or doesn't, right? Like, he's kind of untested in that way. So um, I, I do think this is a, a fight that could be dangerous, but I think Kamaru's just too smart. I, I think that he's just going to, if he does decide to trade the whole fight, like, I think he's just going to dig down deeper than maybe... Uh, Leon is willing to go, but I mean, the smart path here is to wrestle, right? Like that, that to me just seems like the way to go and not even open the door to Leon having a chance to potentially make this more interesting than it should be. Um, we'll see what happens, but yeah, my pick is Kamaru Usman as well. Yeah. For, for how, for how good that Leon says his wrestling has gotten, I mean, it's, it's never going to get to the level that Usman, yeah. that Usman is. And I mean, we, we, we just haven't seen him have to address that. I mean, sure, he's fought grapplers like the Gunnar Nelsons, and he's fought like Luke, but like Luke didn't use his wrestling against uh, Edwards. I mean, Gunnar was able to score some takedowns and stuff, but none of these guys that he's fought is Usman. You know, Usman is strong, the, his wrestling is strong, and and now um, adding Trevor Whitman has just 
upped his game, uh, upped his movement, upped his striking in a, in a way that um, makes him dangerous like everywhere. So, I mean, if I'm Usman, I'm not playing. I'm not playing with with Leon in terms of uh, the striking for long. I'm gonna be looking to take him down, um, and I and I think that's gonna make Leon yeah. hesitant to to really be aggressive. So, um, yeah, man, I, I I just don't see a path to victory for for Leon unless Usman somehow makes a mistake. Um, I just don't see it. And coming off an injury, I'm kind of curious to see how much Usman wants to just stand and trade as well, right? Like. Uh, it, it just makes too much sense to me for him to just grapple his way to a victory. Um, I feel like the path is grapple your way to a victory, and it's Kamaru Usman by decision. So that's kind of where I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing a decision as well, but um, I don't know, man. I mean, Kamaru's been surprising everybody with his power, um, but I think you know Masvidal is a blown up lightweight. Um, Gilbert, if, you know, he's gotten bigger, but I think you know he's a blown up lightweight yeah. to some extent. I think Leon is a true 170 pound, 170 pounder, but uh, yeah. he's a big dude. I mean, that face off. Yeah, like he's a big dude. Like his legs are gigantic. Yeah. Like, jeez. Um, and I wonder, like I said with Gilbert, I wonder if Le- how much Leon is going to go to the leg kicks because, like, Kamaru, for how good he is, the guy can barely move. <laughs> the guy can barely move. Yeah. And I just wonder how much, like, I don't think Kamaru has many fights left. You know, I, I said at the beginning of the year, like, Kamaru's going to retire. I may backtrack on that now, but I just I think he's got he doesn't have many fights left, and I wonder if Leon is able to, you know, kick his legs. But I mean, it's always dangerous kicking the wrestler because like, Kamaru's great at catching kicks and taking taking guys down. Like we saw that with Masvidal. So I mean, there's a lot of questions that's, that's to be answered with this fight, man. But like I said, um, yeah. when it gets to those deep waters, man, I just don't think Leon has it. And nobody, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he has right, yeah. And nobody that Kamaru's fought in this title run, I think, is as dangerous with kicks as as Leon. Oh, for sure. Colby certainly I mean, isn't. Gilbert's not. Jorge's not. So yeah. I mean, Jorge has like fat. He's fast and he has powerful kicks, but right. like Leon has Leon is can go with uh, calf kicks, right. uh, the regular leg kicks, body kicks, head kicks. Like Leon's dangerous everywhere with his feet. Right. Uh, and he sets it up uh, well. And and after the kicks, he. Uh, those combinations with his hands. So, like I said, he's very, very skilled. But um, I just go back to that question, man. I, I just haven't seen enough of Leon to say that he yeah. can be that he can be a champion. But I mean, we'll see. He's got the, he's got the title shot now, so we'll see. Uh, before we go, any thoughts on the prelims that you want to throw out there? I'm always going to give my girl Miranda Maverick uh, the time of day. Um, she's um, she's a big favorite against uh, Shannon Young, I'm sure. Uh, I think this is she. She won her last fight, right, Miranda Maverick. She her last fight wasn't Blanchfield. She yeah, had, who was it that she fought? Um, Sabina Mazo. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is another fight that's going to get her back, get her mojo back. Yeah. I still think she beat Macy Barber, but um, yeah, Miranda Maverick. Uh, this is big for her. I mean, with like the Aaron Blanchfields and Molly McCanns, who are unranked, who are kind of uh, jumping up uh, in that division. Miranda Maverick's keeping her name in the in the loop, and then of course uh, Sean Woodson. The guy is like a six one or featherweight, I believe. Uh, yeah. He's gigantic for the division, but um, and he's always he's had exciting finish after exciting finish. So uh, he's always fun to watch. But uh, this main card is 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 great, man. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Absolutely. 
All right, my friends, should be a lot of fun on a pay-per-view Saturday. Always great to catch up. We will talk this weekend and uh, enjoy your week. Yes, sir. You too, man. Okay.